Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. so worthy of our praise and our adoration. He's worthy of the glory and the honor. He's the almighty God, the most high God, the everlasting Father. We give him praise because it's all about him today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to read our scripture. I, I apologize. I forgot to read it earlier when I, when I came forth. Uh, but uh, I want to read uh, the context before I just give the text. Uh, beginning in Exodus chapter 15 at verse number 1, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Praise the name of Jesus. <clears throat> From verse uh, 11, 11 through 13, it's where we'll take our text from today. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. I'm sorry, did I say 11? I should have said, uh, 
Yeah, 11. Who among you? I read 13. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? I want to I want to follow up on teaching that we have done this week. We've been studying uh, theology you can count on, a book written by Dr. Tony Evans. And this past week, we dealt with the holiness of God. And I feel led this morning to follow up on that teaching and talk about understanding and embracing the holiness of God. Understanding and embracing the holiness of God. God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, dear God, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire, and you prosper your word in the things that you've sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives this day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> understanding and embracing the holiness of God. This lesson that we studied this week, and every lesson is important. Every lesson is important. But this lesson that, that dealt with the holiness of God is a very, very, very crucial lesson for every believer to grasp, to understand, so that we can really fully get a better understanding of all of the other attributes of God, and so that we will understand better how important it is for us to share Jesus Christ with a dying, with a lost world. This lesson is critical. And, I, and as I wrestled this week with what I would bring to you this morning, the holiness of God has been in my mind and in my spirit all week long. Because this, this is so critical. People say that they know God, but they don't understand God's holiness. Studying this lesson just, just did some things in me as I was preparing to teach it. And again, as, as, as I was preparing to teach this lesson, it did some things in me. It woke up some things in me. It, 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 it hit me in a way that, that other lessons have, have, not, have not hit me. Um, and so when we start dealing with the holiness of God, uh, it is one of the attributes that's difficult, that's hard for people to, to grasp because God is so unlike us. We want, we want to really fully understand God and we want to put God on our level. We, wanna, we, want to, we want to be able to grasp God. And as I heard one person say, we want to be able to wrap our hands around God, but God is, is so different from us, so separate from us, amen, and it makes it hard, and, and sometimes when you begin to talk about the holiness of God, it makes people uncomfortable because we have misunderstood the holiness of God, okay? Uh, it is important for us to know that we can't understand all of the other attributes of God unless we understand His holiness, and so that means then that we cannot understand, we cannot understand God's love fully, God's grace, God's mercy. Uh, we can't understand even His wrath unless we understand His holiness. 
His holiness. And I think I said this. If I didn't, I'll say it. We won't fully take our responsibility to share the gospel of God or see the crucialness or the criticalness of our responsibility of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ unless we understand fully, as fully as we can understand it in our finiteness, how God's holiness requires him to deal with sin. Hmm. Yeah. So, understanding God's holiness causes us to see just how unholy we are. Understanding God's holiness helps us to understand that all sin, that all sin is offensive to God and that with God, there are no big sins and there are no little sins, all right? All sins offend God. Understanding God's holiness helps the believer um, understand why sin has to be judged. It helps the believer embrace and see, as I said, the need to share the gospel message to the lost um, and their need for reconciliation. When we understand God's holiness, and, 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 I, and, 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 and I sense the Lord leading us to focus in on this again today because so many people think that they have it. So many people think that they've got it, and they understand, yeah, God is holy, and they leave it at that, okay? But we don't see how, we don't fully understand this, and, and many people, uh, you know, when it comes to dealing with people being eternally separated from God, dying and going to hell, many people don't think about being eternally separated from God. Most people want to go to heaven when they die. You hear it on television. Uh, you know, you hear it in conversations with people. Most people do not think of being eternally separated from God. People even talk about a dog heaven. They don't want their dogs to be separated from God. Well, I don't believe the dogs have souls, so I don't believe that there's a dog heaven. All right? But anyhow, anyhow, uh, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But just the fact that there is this concept in the world, and even the concept in the world, that there are many paths to God. And so, consequently, people think about being with God eternally, but they don't think about how separate God is from us. They don't think about God's holiness. They don't understand the holiness of God and how our sin separates us from God and how our sin will prevent us from living with God eternally unless that sin is judged, condemned, and punished. There are not many, every path doesn't lead to God. As I said, a lot of people think about that. The Bible teaches us that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mankind whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and 12, the name of Jesus, okay? So, unless we, unless we come to God through the means which he's provided for us, a means that, that, has, that deals with, that judges condemns and punishes sin, we cannot be with God eternally. But, but before we talk more about Jesus, let, let's, let's talk a little bit more about this issue of God's holiness. Because 
we need to see the sin predicament that we're in. We need to see the predicament that sin has placed us in that separates us from God. We need to see the depravity of humanity and the hopelessness of humanity in the face of God's holiness. God's holiness, okay? We need to see that before we can fully understand why God sent Jesus into this world or why God had to send Jesus into this world. And, of course, those of us who've been in around church, we know the answer. We can just give you the answer off the top of our, let it roll off of our lips. But many times we don't embrace the depth of sin and how God must deal with sin. We don't embrace, we don't fully understand and embrace. I've heard some sermons over the years and probably preached a lot of sermons about sin over the years and preached about us taking Jesus back to the cross and crucifying him all over again because of our sin. But, but, but I, don't, I don't think that we grasp, that we grasp the implications, the depth and the implication of, of God's holiness as it relates to sin. So let's talk about God's holiness for a few moments. The holiness of God is his intrinsic and transcendent purity. Purity. If everybody can say purity. The standard of righteousness to which the whole universe must conform. Words of Dr. Tony Evans. Uh, you know, that word purity st stuck out to me because when we think of something being pure, we know that we think of that it has no blemishes, no contamination, nothing at all that, that, that contaminates it. I can't think of any other word uh, to better explain that. Intrinsic means that which is natural to God. Transcendent means that which is beyond, above the range of, uh, of the normal and merely human, physical human experience, surpassing the ordinary or the exceptional. So when, I, when, we, talk about, when we talk about holiness being God's transcendent, intrinsic and transcendent purity, we're dealing with with that which is natural to God, but which is unnatural to us. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. We are not pure. We are contaminated. We have a sin nature. Sin is in our DNA. We're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. When we don't want to sin, we sin. Paul said, when I desire to do good, evil is always present. And not only is evil present, but many times we yield to that evil that is present because of our sin nature. God is not like that. Holiness, purity is intrinsic to his very nature. In the book, Dr. Evans says that holiness is, a, is the centerpiece of God's being, the centerpiece 
of God's being. Everything flows out of God's holiness. Wow. So God's love comes out of his holiness. God's grace comes out of his holiness. God's wrath comes out of his holiness. Yeah. In our text that we chose for this morning, and I'm not going to try to teach this entire chapter. No, I just felt led of the Lord to come back to this this morning and to deal with this, to, uh, to, to impress this in our in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits and, and prayerfully there are others because, you know, some of our members are not, are not uh, tuning in to our school of ministry classes for whatever the reason is. I know people are, are busy and whatever, but some people, some people are just not tuning in. Maybe they're reading on their own. Thank God for your good minds, but God gave teachers, amen, so God intended for us to sit under the teachers, Amen. And, and there are others who will listen and prayerfully will get this word and will be stirred to focus in on the holiness of God. But let's, 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 let's look at this. In, in our text, which is a song of praise that Moses and the Israelites sang after God's great deliverance of them at the Red Sea, it states in verse 11, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Now, I'm not going to deal with all of that, but, 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 but when, I, when I read the statement again, who is like you, O God, among the gods? Somebody's going to get tripped up on that. So you got to realize that the Egyptians had their gods. Other nations had their gods. No God was like the God of Israel. This is what they're declaring in this song. No God is like the God of Israel, the Lord Jehovah. The Lord Jehovah is glorious in, 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 or majestic in holiness. They state this in light of God's mighty power that, that they witnessed as God opened the waters of the Red Sea and allowed them to cross over on dry ground. Hallelujah. And escape from their enemies, the Egyptians. And then turned around and saw, and, and, and as he delivered them, he released the waters. And the Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea. Now, I know in the Scripture it talks about God's nostrils blowing on the waters or what have you. Those are anthrop anthropomorphisms that relate God in human terms so people can get a picture of God's glory and God's power. Amen. Uh, it doesn't mean that God's ha God has nostrils because God is a spirit. Amen. But the focus of this is God's gloriousness. God is glorious and majestic in holiness. And they, and they stated this after they saw God, the manifestation of God's mighty power, majesty, gloriousness. Hallelujah. Hmm. They grasped a glimpse of God's mighty power through his awesome deliverance. And they began to understand more of his holiness. And I'll say again, it is from an understanding of God's holiness that they and we begin to understand God's other attributes and, and how God works. As you think about this and you think about that, that when I understand God's holiness, when I get a glimpse of God's holiness, then I can understand his love better. 
I can understand his grace better. I can understand his mercy. I can understand uh, even his wrath even more. All right? And, and even though we don't want to focus on the wrath of God, we have to focus on the wrath of God, and we have to focus on sin. Because sin is juxtaposed to God's holiness. It is against God's holiness. It is contrary to God's holiness. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to note that when we talk about the holiness holiness of God, then, uh, uh, as we talk about the holiness of God, we are not talking about our lifestyle now, okay? Nor are we dealing with a particular denomination. We're talking about an attribute of God, the central, the centerpiece of God's being, the central attribute of God being his holiness. God's holiness definitely should influence our lifestyle. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever question that. You're in the relationship, in a relationship with the true, living, holy God. His holiness should influence our lifestyles. His holiness should put parameters around our lifestyles. I know we live in a day and a time when people feel like they can do anything, say anything, wear anything, look any kind of way. But you serve the holy God. And his holiness puts parameters around our actions and our behaviors. All right, but we don't want to get deep into that because, you know, that divides people. But you got to understand, well, I don't care whether it divides people or not, but it's the truth. All right, let me back up. Let me correct that. All right. But when you understand the holiness of God, then, and, and, you, and you embrace the holiness of God, then you want your lifestyle to come in line with his holiness. Right? And, and you understand the holiness of God by studying the scriptures. Those people who don't want to study the scriptures look for somebody to tell them what it is, and then they have a point of argument. Well, that's your opinion. Not, not my opinion. I want to share with you what the word of the Lord says. What, what the word of the Lord says. So, his holiness should influence our lifestyle, but we're talking about his holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, God says, be holy because I am holy. And it does not, being holy does not, and I think I probably just dealt with, with outward appearances when I was talking earlier. Let me go deeper because God's holiness influencing my lifestyle, it influences the way I think. It influences the way I feel. It influences the way I treat people. It influences the words that come out of my mouth. So I cannot have a mean and a critical spirit and say that I'm reflecting the holiness of God. I can't do that. I can't have an undermining spirit. I can't have a, a ditch-digging spirit and say that I'm reflecting the holiness of God. When I begin to reflect the holiness of God in my life, it put parameters around my lifestyle. But to be clear today, we're talking about God's holiness, okay? God's holiness, all right? Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. So, God is intrinsically and transcendently 
holy. Okay. Intrinsically and transcendently pure. Intrinsically and transcendently free from contamination of any kind. He transcends us, like I said earlier, because we are born in sin and we are shaped in it. We're contaminated. Sin has contaminated us. Sin is our DNA. So God transcends us. He is holy. It's critical that we get this. Critical that we, that believers in particular, non-believers don't care about God's holiness. We should care about God's holiness. So, then, thinking about this, and, and, I may, and I'll probably repeat myself over and over in this message because repetition is the first law of learning, okay? And to get this thing, we have to reiterate it over and over and over again. Then God is not like us. He's not like us. What do you mean? He's not like us because God does not sin. God cannot sin. God cannot be tempted to sin. God does not cause us to sin. Do you see? We can be tempted to sin. We sin. All right? We cause other people to sin. Sin is contrary to God's nature. Sin is not contrary to our nature. Because we have a sin nature. God is pure. God is holy. He is righteous. He is not like us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Light. In the scriptures, many times light deals with illumination. It deals with righteousness. It deals with holiness. When you come to the light, you come to Jesus. You come to understand it. Darkness deals with sin. When you're walking in darkness, you're walking in sin. In, in God, who is light, there is no darkness at all. James 13 and 14 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. God doesn't tempt you to commit fornication. You're dragged away, dragged away by your own evil desires and enticed. God does not tempt you to steal. God does not tempt you to lie. Don't put that on God. James says you're, when you are, when you, when you or when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. God doesn't have evil desires within him to be drawn away with. Because God doesn't have a sin nature. He's not like us. He is the holy other. He lives, as Isaiah 57 and 15 says, in a high and holy place. But he goes on to say in that verse, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Do you hear the Lord speaking? The Lord said, I live in a high and a holy place. But I also live with the one who is contrite and lowly. Oh, that means in with the high-minded, the ones that see no contrition in their sins. God doesn't live with you. He says, I live with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Glory to the name of Jesus. 
God is here, amen, even in his holiness to help us when we are contrite in our sins, when we realize that our sins have separated us from the most high God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's not like us. He's not like us. High and holy. Holy and reverend is his name. He's not like us. He's not, 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 not like us. Being holy then, being holy, sin, which is impurity, contamination, filth, whatever you want to call it, that's contrary to the will of God, disobedience to God. Sin is offensive to God and must be judged. Sin is offensive to God and must be judged. Because God is holy, he takes sin seriously. We may play with sin, and many times we do, but God takes it serious. He takes it serious. People joke, oh, I told a little white lie. There's no such thing. God took that lie you told seriously. People tell, oh, you're just being too serious. No, God takes sin seriously. We can't be too serious. Okay. Yeah. With sin, or with God, excuse me, all sin is sin. There are no degrees of sin in God's eyes. There are no little sins and big sins. You know, you know what we do? You know, we tend to say, well, I, we tend to think, well, I'm not like him, you know. I don't do such and such a thing, you know. <laughs> Lord Jesus, another sermon for another day. God, I just got a, a, just a whole flush of light come when I made that statement about the church and how we treat people, how we do people in the world today who are not like us. And we want people to be like us when we really want, should want people to be like God. And we should want to be like God, okay? We say, I'm not like that person. I don't drink. I don't steal. I don't commit adultery. And so we think that we're better off than them. We get, we get dressed up and cleaned up and take a shower and come to church with our nice, with our nice rags on, and, and we think we're something with our gifts and our ability to communicate and sing and even to worship. And then we say, I'm not like that person that doesn't come to church. And we may not say it with our lips, but with our actions, we treat people like we're not like them. But God does not, does not have a scale that he rates sin on. All sin is sin. We got to grasp this thing. And all sin is offensive to God. Every little spot of sin contaminates us. Every little spot of sin contaminates us. Stop thinking you're better than someone else. Thank God for his grace in your life. Remember, God dwells with the contrite and the lowly so that he can revive their spirits. Yeah. God declares in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in Romans 3 and 10, before he said, he said, there is none righteous, no, not one. With God, there are no degrees of sin. The church has to get this thing. 
because we have separated ourselves from people because of what we don't do. Not just separate ourselves, but we've judged people. There are things that we, yes, I'm, I'm not forgetting that God's holiness, uh, as it affects our lifestyle, puts a limit or put limitations and boundaries around the things that we can do, say, or that we should do, say, uh, think, act, and behave. Yeah, it does, but it doesn't mean that we should look down on other people. It doesn't mean that we should think that we are better than other people. It doesn't mean that we should think that because that person is drinking and, and we're gossiping that, that hey, we're just a little bit better than them. Damn. Don't think you're so good in the eyes of God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus is dealing with this, this uh, um, rich young ruler who came to him and said, Good master! What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, first of all, why do you call me good? There is none good but the Father. So we can't claim any goodness. You know, we cannot claim any goodness on our own because there is none good but God. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Sin is sin, and as such, sin is offensive to our holy God. This is what was pointed out in this lesson that, that really stuck with me. For one sin, Adam was put out of the garden. For one sin, Cain and his progeny were cursed. For one sin, Elijah, Elijah's servant was stricken with leprosy. For one sin, Ananias and Sapphira were killed. God is serious about sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Sin is offensive to God. It's so offensive to God that God judged his own son. Whew. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Men crucified Jesus by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Jesus took your sins and my sins. He became sin for us. He took our punishment on the cross. He's judged there. Condemned and died for your sins and mine. That might be hard for some of us to wrap our minds around. You said... But he did it for, yes, but before he could die on the cross, sin had to be judged. It wasn't his sin, but it was our sin that he took upon himself. God is serious about sin. He's serious about sin. It's time for the church to be serious about sin again. We're not serious about sin. Too many of us in the church are not serious about sin. We're praising God for grace, but we forget. Paul asked the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Yeah. 
Lastly, and prayerfully, this thing, <clears throat> this lesson, this teaching should prompt you to study more and get a better understanding of God's holiness. Lastly, our sins have been judged, condemned, and punished on the cross in Jesus Christ. We have to get to Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. You know, as I was studying this, the first, first day I read this chapter, and, and I was getting engrossed in my reading, and I was saying, Lord, let me get to Jesus. I, because I know what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. But it was just a magnitude of studying this, you know, and reflecting even over my life. And over the things that I've done in my life that's been contrary to the will of God and realizing that just one sin, not 50, not a 100, but just one sin caused people to be judged, condemned, and killed. Even in the book of Corinthians, Paul talks about how there, there are many that are sick among you because they've not properly discerned the Lord's body. You know, we want to contribute sickness to a lot of other things. Sometimes sickness is a result of sin. Sometimes, not every time. Sometimes. Even someone asked me the other day about this pandemic. Did I think that this was because of, of, of human, human beings, uh, you know, and making mistakes and delving into things that they shouldn't make in? Or was, it, was this God's judgment? And I said to him, one of the things that we have to realize is that this is a judgment of God. And I know people don't want to think this way. Theologians today don't want to think this way because we want to deal with God being a God of love. And just say, God is love. God is love. God loves everybody. He loves everybody, but he's holy. He's holy. His holiness his holiness means, his holiness requires that sin be judged. We cannot change God's holiness. We may not like it, but it is the way it is. Remember, his holiness is a standard that all of the universe must conform to. God is not conforming to us. God is not conforming to the way we think. God is not conforming to the way we want things done. We must conform to God. And the more we rebel against God, the more detriment, the more trouble, the more sickness, the more disease, the more judgment comes on us. Oh, God, help us today. Help us today. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. I'm going to, I'm about to wrap this up. Uh, but when you, when, in, in studying God's holiness, whew, God had to, had to make a way for us because he does love us. He loves us. We're sinners. He doesn't hate us. He loves us. So he made a way for our sins to be atoned for. All right? In the Old Testament, you see, the, the sacrificial system, the complicated sacrificial system that was set up under the old covenant. You see the tabernacle that was established in the wilderness and the way the tabernacle was set up in order for people to, 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 to enter the presence of God because a sinful person could not enter the presence of God, all right, to make a, 
a long, in-depth teaching real short. I'm going to say a couple of things that end this message today. All right? Whew. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11 says this, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Sin is so offensive to God. Sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin takes life. It is offensive to God. But God put in place a blood sacrifice to atone for our sins. Whew. The life of a creature is in the blood. I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. I would take your life. I would kill you. But I made a way so that I wouldn't have to kill you. The life of the creature, the animal, the animal sacrifice, the calf, that's not more than a year old without any imperfections, the lamb. I made a, I, 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 I made a way. I'm, I'm taking the life because life is in the blood. And I'm taking the life of an animal. I made it possible for you to present this blood sacrifice so that I don't have to kill you. To make atonement, to cause you to be reconciled to me. Well, we don't know what happened with the sacrificial system. As we studied the, as we studied the Old Testament and we see how people's hearts were far from the Lord. God said, I will no longer write my, 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 my covenant on tablets of stone. I'll write it in your hearts. And we see in Jesus how God made it possible for you and me and for those of us who live under the new covenant to enter into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So Jesus then. John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Then Jesus becomes that sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 through 22 says, for this reason Christ is the mediator of the new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood, when Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, 
scarlet wool and branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and everything used in his ceremonies. In fact, the law requires, the law requires, the law of God requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Life for life. God said, I gave this statute to you. I, 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 gave, I gave this to you. I gave, I gave this instrument for you to use so that your sins could be atoned for. And when it was time for the old covenant to, to move out of the way, God established a new covenant in Jesus. Now Jesus becomes our high priest. But not only he's our high priest, but he, he is our sacrifice. He, he dying on the cross, shedding his blood on the cross was for so that you and I could have life, could have relationship with God, could be reconciled to God, so that our sins that needed to be judged, condemned, and punished could be atoned for. Jesus took the judgment for you and for me. Jesus took the condemnation for you and for me. Jesus took the punishment for you and for me on the cross. He shed his sinless blood so that you and I could be saved. Now, when God looks at us, he sees us through the lens of Jesus. We're blood-born, blood-washed sons and daughters only because our sins have been judged, condemned, and punished on that cross in Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. If we're going to boast about anything, don't boast about how well you can sing. Don't boast about how good you look. Don't boast about how well you can preach. Boast about the fact that you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. That you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. God did it because his holiness required that sin be judged, condemned, and punished. God bless you. God bless you. Go back and study this chapter again. Go and look up scriptures on the holiness of God. Study it. Understand it. Ask the Lord to give you understanding. Ask God to help you see how his holiness should impact your life. Think about how you relate to the holiness of God. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. 
I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.